Um, yeah, so we're in part four of our series, Teenager, and we're making our way through the book of Daniel. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Daniel tonight. Um, if you have the app, you can use that, or if you want to follow along on the screens, you can follow along there. Daniel chapter four in our series, Teenager, and basically we're talking about how the decisions we make today can affect the rest of our life, and that we don't have to wait until someday, or we have it all together, or we mature or grow up to make a difference for God, that God wants to use you right here, right now. And I think there, there's sort of a stereotype or there's this, there's this thought that we will get serious about God when we get older. Like our, our, our youth, our, our young life is designed for me to explore, to experience life, to travel, and to do all of these wonderful, awesome things that apparently you can only do without God. And so we, so there's this, there's this sort of like this thought in our, in our world that like get serious about God later, but right now do you just, just do you figure you out and then get serious about God later. And there's this reality that when you walk with God, you actually get to experience the best life, the life that you would never get to experience apart from him. And so our challenge in this series is to make a decision today to follow God and watch how he'll transform not only you, but the people around you and the world around you as you follow after him. That you don't have to wait till someday that you can walk with God and experience the life in him today. Now, last week we ended sort of on a cliffhanger. It was kind of like a, a Netflix uh original series episode where you like did 45 minutes really just pass and is that really how you're going to end the episode <laughs> like they make it just too easy to binge watch episodes you know what I mean like because you're like nothing I just watched this for an hour and literally nothing happened you better believe I'm watching the next one <laughs> and so we ended it if you remember uh, Daniel chapter 3 Shadrach Meshach and Abednego, remember these three amazing characters, they're there, they're in Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he decides to build for himself a statue 90 feet tall, made out of gold, and he makes this decree, this, dec this command, that you have to bow down and worship this giant golden image. And so the band starts playing, they start singing this Babylonian worship song about a golden image that kind of looks like Nebuchadnezzar, sort of, I guess. And they start singing the song and everybody begins to bow down except for three characters. There they are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing tall. And then Nebuchadnezzar comes up to him and they're like, um, hey guys, uh, maybe you didn't get the memo, but the plan is when the band starts singing, you bow down and you worship the giant golden statue. And they're like, oh yeah, king, we heard you. We're just not going to do that. And he's like, uh, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not going to bow down and worship your little, your little golden image thing because we believe in a God that's greater than your little golden image thing. Now, the thing about that, the sort of scary part, is that Nebuchadnezzar made part of this same decree that if you don't bow down and worship, you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. We learn about Nebuchadnezzar that he's actually really a violent guy. In chapter 2, he threatens to cut people into pieces. In chapter 3, he uh, commands that everyone will get thrown into a fiery furnace. And then at the end of chapter 3, again, for a different reason, he threatens to cut people into pieces again. So he's kind of a weird guy, but he makes this threat that if you don't bow down and worship, you are going to go into the fiery furnace. And they stand up, they say, we're not going to worship your, your false god because we believe that God is able to deliver us, that he will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship. And then the scene ends. 
like it all of a sudden like the producer or it says like Stranger Things or whatever. It says teenager at the end and you're like, oh, what's happening? So we're going to continue and see what happens. We're picking up in chapter three, verse 19. It says this, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I got to imagine that maybe the first time he was like kind of friendly and polite. Hey, hey guys, listen, like you maybe you didn't hear, we're going to sing the song, you're going to bow down. And they're like, ah, not going to happen. And then he gets full of fury. His expression changes. Have like, you ever been there with your parents? Like at first, it's kind of like back and forth. Like you feel like you're hanging in there. And then you say something and it goes over the line. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> you did not just say that. The, the expression changes and you're like, oh, man, I messed up. He spoke and commanded, listen to this, that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Now, I got to just say that a fiery furnace, however hot a fiery furnace is just normally, is probably hot enough to kill somebody, right? Like a full-on fiery furnace on fire, big enough to house people inside of it, is probably hot enough to kill, but he's like, enraged like seven times exactly hotter than it currently is so they they turn it up that hot and it says and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace then these men were bound in their coats their trousers their turbans and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace therefore because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach Meshach and Abednego so the fire is so hot that the guys that are in charge of throwing them into the fire get burned up and die then it says and these three men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. And he said, Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps and administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men who, on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. There it is. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your word. Lord, such a powerful story, such a, a, a just really crazy story that, that 
really couldn't be made up. And God, we thank you that you are there for us in whatever we're going through. And God, we ask that you would speak to us now through this story. Help us to understand the truths in it. And Lord, help us to apply it to our life so that we can live and be the people you want us to be. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I've taught this message. If you take notes, it's a question. But will you stand? But will you stand? Now, last week, if you were with us, I titled the message, I Won't Bow. And we talked about this idea of not bowing to things that are not worthy of our worship. Because there's a reality as human beings, the way that we are designed as people, we have a tendency to worship things. Now, not many of us would set up little idols like over our fireplace and like bow down and worship those things. But we do make things of more value than they ought to be. We have a tendency just as people to place things in in positions in our life that really they shouldn't be. Whether it's a hobby or a person or a relationship or a thought or an activity, we have a tendency to worship certain things. We worship things. But this claim, I will not bow, we're we're making a declaration that we're not going to worship anything other than the one that is worthy of our worship. The God who is able, the God who is good, and the God who is in control, we talked about last week. I won't bow. Now, it is one thing, I think, as people to make a declaration to say that I will not bow to certain things. There's certain activities or there's certain mindsets or there's certain spaces that we will not really become subject to. And I think for a lot of us, we'll make those declarations like, do you know what? I'm not going to go to that party. Or do you know what? I'm not going to treat that person that way. Or, or, or do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to act like this towards these people, or I'm not going to behave like this in this certain setting, and we'll, we'll make these declarations like, I won't bow. But I think it's an entirely different thing to not bow to something and then to stand for something. Because, because I think we can, we can say, like, I'm not going to go to that party, but then we can make an excuse, like, ah, just who's going to be there? Ah, I don't really want to go. Or, or I'm not going to treat that person like that because, well, you know, like, they might be having a bad day, and, and like, I just don't want to bum them out. Or, or we're not going to act that way, and it's not for any spiritual value. It's just like, yeah, it's kind of a lot of work to, to behave like that, and eh, I just don't really want to. And so it's easy for us, and, and I'm sure many of us can relate to this reality that, that we will say, like, we will do the right thing, but for sometimes we don't do it for the right reason. Like, we'll do the right thing. Like, eh, I'm not going to talk back to my parents because eh, it's just a whole big thing. <laughs> I remember uh, growing up all the time, my dad and I would argue just about everything. I'm just kind of one of those, uh, apparently I'm a type, eight, a type ape, eight, not type ape, type eight which is the, what's it called? I think the Maverick, maybe, in the Enneagram. But is that the personality type, the Maverick? And basically, it's a nice way of saying, like, you're a debater. In the um, Myers-Briggs test, you guys ever heard of this? Have you guys ever heard of the Enneagram? Um, Whatever, it's like a personality type. The Myers-Briggs, my literal definition is the debater. In other words, I just like to argue about everything for no reason. Um, And it's a nice way of putting it. Uh, so anyways, my dad and I would argue about everything. And um, one, I remember on multiple occasions, my brothers just being like, dude, if you would just shut up, 
Like, you don't have, if you would just shut up, you wouldn't get in, get in trouble. And I'm like, but I don't want to shut up. You shut up. And then I would continue to, and I would always be, always be uh, in trouble. So, but sometimes, like, we, we don't do, we do the right thing, not for the right reason. Like, I'm not going to bow down to that thing. I'm not going to act this way. I'm not going to behave this way. But it's one thing to not bow. It's another thing to stand in the name of Jesus. It's one thing to do the right thing just because ah, it's easier and whatever, people aren't going to say much about it. It's a whole other thing to make your reason to stand for the right thing because you're a follower of Jesus. It's a whole other thing for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand up and say, we're not going to bow to your God. And they, couldn't, they could have said like, oh, sorry, we're, our Babylonian language is just a little missed, uh, messed up. Like, we didn't fully understand. We're just having a hard time getting lost in translation. Sorry. It, it, it could, they could have made an excuse, but they made this stand. They said, we're not going to bow. And the reason we're not going to bow is because we worship one God. And they make a stand. It's one thing to bow, it's another thing to stand. And the real question that they're experiencing and the real question that we have to decide is how are you going to respond to pressure? How are you going to respond to pressure? Because all throughout life we experience pressure. Whether it's pressure to go to some event or something. Whether it's pressure to act or talk a certain way. Whether it's pressure to treat people in a certain way or that look a certain way, a certain way. Whatever it is, there is pressure. So the question is, how do we respond to pressure? When the world presses you, how will you respond? Will you give in or will you rise to the occasion? Uh, Shane was just telling us the other day, we were talking um, that when he was uh, in Little League Baseball, um, how old were you at the time in Little League? 11 years old. So 11 years old, he's playing Little League Baseball. Was it Little League or Travel Ball? It was Little League. Um, he's playing Little League Baseball, and their te- team was good. They were making it through, you know, districts and the playoffs and things like that. And they were at the, the, one of the state game, the state championship game. Like, this is a big, like, you win this game, your name forever goes on the wall at the Little League field. That kind of a game. So Shane is a pitcher and a shortstop. He wasn't playing at the time. He was sitting on the bench. Not a big deal uh, just at this moment. And so it's the end of the game. The game is tied. The pitcher has, has loaded the bases. If you're a baseball player, that's not a good thing. If you're not a baseball player, you, it's not a good thing. <laughs> bases are low, unless you're the team hitting. That's besides the point. If you're pitching, it's not a good thing. The, the pitcher has loaded the bases. And there's a guy up to bat. The guy has two strikes and three balls. So if he throws a strike, one more strike, the game's over. If he throws one more ball, it walks in a run and actually throws a strike. Let me, they go to extra innings. If he throws one more ball, am I correct? The other team wins. So coach calls timeout, pulls the pitcher, puts Shane on the mound. Two strikes, three balls. He has, he gets to throw one pitch. If he throws a ball, no warms up. If he throws a ball, they lose. Could you imagine being like a 10 years old, 11 years old? And they're like, here you go, buddy. If you throw a ball, everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> so Shane gets up there. I don't remember his pitching stance. or He probably went like. Yeah. <laughs> right down the line, strike three, go to extra innings. They go on, I think, to lose the game. <laughs> kind of a bummer. 
But hey, in that moment, right, all the pressure is on. You throw one ball, you lose the game, friends hate you, the world is over, or you throw one strike and you're a hero, right? And, and it's a pressure situation. And shout out Shane for being like ice in his veins. Going, Can we give it up for Shane, everybody? Ten-year-old Shane, amazing. But I think, I think when it comes to life, there's a lot of times where we find those pressure situations. Where we're in the moment, we have to make a decision. We're in the moment, we have to do something. And how are we going to respond to those pressures? Are we going to, in that moment, bow down and just be like, do you know what? It would be way easier for me to just bow down. Or in that moment, will we stand for what God wants us to, to stand for? And when life tries to squeeze you or more specifically keep you from, from being a follower of Jesus or, or, or using your witness, what comes out of you? Will you bow? Will, will, will you fold? Will you act like everyone else? Or will you stand for what God has for you? Now, there are some things that might happen if you stand that we see in this text. Couple things that might ha happen to you or with you if you stand. The first thing that might happen if you choose to stand, not bow, but you choose to stand, there might be some hate. There might be some hate. We're told that Nebuchadnezzar's face changed and he was full of fury. Because in this moment, these guys are doing exactly what God wants them to do. In this moment, they are deciding that they're not going to bow down. They're going to stand for God and be the people God, want, God wants them to be. So they make this decision, and immediately we're told Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, so mad, right? He's like, he's furious. You can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his face. He is so upset. And, and then I, I love that he turns the fire up seven times hotter. Like, like I said, like, it would have killed them like it was. But I think this shows a little bit that, that Nebuchadnezzar was kind of afraid of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because if you remember in the chapters before, God revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And Nebuchadnezzar's mind was like blown. He's like, whoa, how, how did you do that? He literally said, your God is the God of gods. He made that claim. He said, your God is the God of gods. Now, here these guys are. They stand up. They say, no, we're not going to worship your God. We worship, remember that God that revealed your dream to you? We worship that God, the God of gods. And he's like so mad. And he's like, do you know what? I think I know what can defeat this God of gods. Seven times hotter, that'll do it. And I think he's a little bit afraid, like, ah, maybe we should just do it a little bit extra just in case. So he's afraid, and, and he decides to throw them in the fire. Listen, sometimes when you stand for what is right, things don't always go right. Because sometimes when, when you make a stand for God, people will be offended. Sometimes when you make a stand for God, if you decide, you know, I'm not going to that party or I'm not going to treat that person that way and I'm not going to act this way. And my reasoning for doing it is not just because I don't want to be like that, but my reasoning for doing it is because I'm a follower of Jesus and God has called me to live different. Oftentimes, people can be offended at that because when people stand for what's right, it exposes the wrong in people. What happens if you make a stand and you're like, do you know what? That person that you're always making fun of and you're hating on, like, maybe we should not be that way. And what happens is people are like, how, how dare you? You think you're better than me? 
You think because you go to church, you're so much better than me? You think because you sing those little Christian songs and because you do these things and because you read your Bible and because you pray, you're better than me? And oftentimes you will find in our world and in your school and with your friends that when you make stands for what's right, you will experience hate. Because what happens is when wrong is exposed in people, it forces people to examine their life and decide what they're going to do. Now, I'm not out here saying that we got to go around acting like we're better than people. I think as followers of Jesus, we realize how messed up we are, and that's why we're followers of Jesus. Like, we've come to Jesus going like, yeah, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm a sinner. I know I make mistakes. I know I'm broken. That's why I need Jesus. So we're not going around thinking that we're better than people. But when people don't understand the life that God has called you to live, what tends to happen is when it exposes the wrong in them, it forces people to examine themselves and decide whether or not they're going to change. Man, maybe, maybe I'm not good, shouldn't treat that person like that. And it forces some sort of an examination. And when people don't want to examine themselves and ultimately change and grow, what happens is we experience hate. Jesus said, uh, just so you know, that in this world you will experience trouble. Jesus is like, hang that on your fridge. He's like, you will have persecution, you will have tribulation, people will mock you, people will hate you, people will, will laugh at you to your face, people will laugh at you behind your back, you will experience hate. That's a reality. And when you make a stand for God, if you make a stand for God, you can expect hate. The second thing that happens when you make a stand for God, not only hate, but heat. <laughs> heat. Now, literally in this story, right, the fiery furnace, like it's pretty dramatic. The music is all suspenseful. Like you're going in the fiery furnace. And then it's like all of a sudden quick cut and it's like roaring fire and you're like, whoa, like that's scary. And then it like comes back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're like, all right, let's do it. And Nebuchadnezzar's all angry. I'm just trying, to, just trying to paint the picture for you guys, man. Just trying to help you out. Anyways, so there's literal heat that, is, that they are going to be thrown into. But the reality is we might not be thrown, we probably won't be thrown into a fiery furnace. But sometimes when you stand for what's right, things go wrong. The circumstance you're in might get worse when you stand for God. I, I'm just, I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to help us out. Because I think if we have a wrong idea of what it means to stand for God, we will get very confused when people hate us and when the heat gets turned up in our life. We'll be like, God, where are you? God, why is this happening? God, why is this circumstance so bad? God, how come none of my friends are talking to me? How, how come this is going on? And we'll get so mad because we don't realize the reality that when you stand for God, oftentimes there will be hate and there will be heat. People will, will, will make fun of you or hate you so you feel alone. And then all of a sudden, those parties that you were saying no to, now you're not even getting invited to anymore. And so now you're, you're feeling isolated and you're feeling like, well, I didn't want this. 
I, I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to feel alone. I didn't want my circumstance to turn like this. I thought I was doing what was right for God, and now I don't have any friends. Everybody hates me. My circumstance hasn't gotten any better. So what is even the point of standing for God when this is the life that continues to happen? And so sometimes when, when the heat gets turned up in our life, when things get more difficult or things stay just as frustrating, we get mad at God because we're, we're confused by what it means to stand for him. There might be more obstacles and opposition when we stand for God. Now, they stand for God believing that he's going to deliver them, right? That was their big claim in the previous section. They're like, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, let me tell you a thing or two. The God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us. They start preaching, right? They're like, come on. Like so whoever's preaching, like Shadr like maybe Shadrach's going and Meshach and Abednego are like, oh yeah, bring it. You better tell them. You better say that. Amen, buddy. Like they're, they're starting to preach like he is able and he will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you. And they're like, our God is able. He will. And I don't know about the even if he doesn't part, but he is able and he will. Right, they go, I'm sure they, they're like, we are, I'm, there was an expectation for them, I'm sure, that they weren't going in the fiery furnace. They're probably like, no, we did the right thing. We're standing for God. We're not going to bow down. I'm sure they had an expectation that they weren't going in that fiery furnace. I bet you that when they start getting, started getting close and, and they could start feeling the flames because Nebuchadnezzar turned it up seven times hotter. So they were seven times farther away and they could start <laughs> feeling the flames. And then they started getting closer. And then the guards that were holding them dropped dead because of the fire. They're like, okay, here we go. God's delivering us. Like I imagine almost like a Jason Bourne scene or like, I don't know. Do you guys know Jason Bourne? I feel so old sometimes. Um, it's besides the point. Whatever like the modern day Jason Bourne is, like John Wick, I guess. I don't know. Um, so like Jason Bourne scene where like the fiery furnace like comes out and the, the guards drop dead and all of a sudden they like break three, break free of their things and like or Benigo like kicks somebody in the shin and then Shadrach's like, Whoa, blah! and they're like, this is our moment. And they use like, and they stand there in the fiery furnaces behind them and Nebuchadnezzar's like, whoa. <laughs> like you would think like that I'm sure there was like some at least some thought in their mind as those guards went down they're like this is it God's delivering us like oh my gosh look the guard they're gone like we're free and then what happens next they go in the furnace like I thought I, I had an expectation that God was going to deliver me from the furnace and yet they find themselves still in the furnace now, we read the story. We know what happens. The story's not over yet. But imagine for a second, you are those characters. You're in a moment, whatever it looks like. You're invited to that party. You have an opportunity to do something that you know you shouldn't do. And you decide. You're, you're in that moment, and you decide, you know what? I'm going to stand for what's right. I was talking with uh, somebody last week, and we were just being honest and just saying, like, I don't know if I would make that stand. Like, I, I, we were like, I, we don't know if we're those guys that would be the first to make the stand. I was thinking about it this week, and my brother James, he's not up here, but he is the guy that would be the first one to make the stand. Like, my brother James, without hesitation, would be like, I'm not going to bow. 
Like, regardless of what the people around him were doing, he's like, yeah, that's not going to be me. And, and I think what happens is, is if I were in that situation and I were with James and he were to stand up and say, I'm not going to bow, it would give me confidence to go like, yeah, do you know what? I'm not going to bow either. Like, if James wasn't there, I'd probably be like, I love this song. <laughs> like, right? And just, like, start worshiping. Like, yeah, this is, this is what we're doing. But, like, you, when you have that person around you, that person in your life that's like, like I, I'm going to stand, it gives you confidence to stand. Right? And so, so here they are. Imagine, though, you're in that scene where you have the opportunity to stand. And maybe you're that friend that you're like, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm doing what I'm going to do. Like, you know that person that you're like, no, we're going here for lunch. Whether you like it or not, that's where we're going. Like, you have that person. And, and that, you, whether that's you or you're with that person, that's why it's so important to have good friends around you that will make that stand with you. But, but they make that stand. So whatever that situation is for you. And I know we felt it. I know we've been there where we have to make that stand to do what's right. And then imagine, though, all of a sudden, the, the following events go nothing like you thought. You, you, you make that stand like, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And they're like, yeah, we're going to stand. God's going to deliver us. And all of a sudden, they're like getting closer to the fire. And they're like, I know he's going to deliver us. And then they're getting closer like, I I think he's going to deliver us. And they're getting closer like, God, please, would you deliver us? And then all of a sudden, they, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. The guys around them, dead. They're thrown in there. But the, the amazing thing is that although they get, the heat gets turned up, third point, they have help. They have help. The story doesn't end with, with the, just the even if he doesn't. Right, because, because that would have been a noble martyr story, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Like if they were like, even if, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. They get thrown into the fiery furnace and poof, they disappear. And they're like, man, those people were willing to even die for God. And they did die for God. And there are many men and women throughout church history that have made the same stand as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And whether they were thrown into the fire or burnt at the stake or crucified or stoned or, or left in prison till they died or, or, or buried alive or, or whatever it was, there are many men and women that have made the stand for God and, and they didn't have this type of deliverance like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so if the story would have ended like, oh, they just got thrown in the fire, story's over. Like, man, that's a, that's a powerful story. Um, it's crazy, but, but it's a powerful story. But it's not how the story ends. We're told it's shocking, right? Nebuchadnezzar is, is standing there, and all of a sudden he looks, and actually the Septuagint, which is uh, not to nerd out too much, but it is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was originally written Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek because that was the main language in the time of Jesus. And then later they went back and took the Old Testament and translated it into Greek. We call that the Septuagint. The Septuagint actually refers to this verse that the reason Nebuchadnezzar looked back into the fire is because as he walked away, he thought he heard singing. And so he's walking away and he's like, that's not the Babylonian song. What song is that? And he turns around and he's like, Hey, uh, how, how many people did we throw into the fire? 
three, right? Like, yes, yes, your highness, three. And he's like, I see four. And he's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of them looks like the son of God. <laughs> he's like, this is super weird. But I love this because in this story, literally, we have Jesus. This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Later, we'd be, he would be revealed in, in the New Testament, in the gospel, as Jesus, the one that would ultimately die and rise again for the sins of humanity. But here is an Old Testament revelation of Jesus Christ showing up in the midst of the fiery furnace. And I love this because Jesus didn't show up right before the fiery furnace. Jesus didn't, like the, the, the guys come down and all of a sudden a ninja shows up, beats everybody up, and Shadrach and she, blah, 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 run away. <laughs> Those three guys that are really hard to say fast. We should have some abbreviations. Anyways, it doesn't happen like that, right? Jesus shows up in the middle of the fire. And, he, and he's there with them. And he stands there with them. They, Jesus isn't the one that takes them out of the fire. Jesus doesn't take him out of the fire. That's so important that you see that. All Jesus does is stand in the midst of the fire with them. He gives them help. And listen, we might not have the same situation where we're thrown into a fiery furnace, or you might not be invited to that party or into that moment, and Jesus actually shows up for you and says, like, we're not going to that party. And you're like, that's probably the right decision. No, what we have is what Jesus would call the helper or the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15 says it like this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He would go on in the next chapter. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. We have a promise that the Holy Spirit, the helper, will be a part of our life to help us in the situations that we find ourselves in. Because Jesus promises us that sometimes we will go into a fiery furnace. We will have difficulty. We will have opposition. But he promises to stand with us in the midst of it. And the final thing, worship team, you guys can come up here. Not only did they have help, but they also, they brought hope. They brought hope. I love how the story ends because God gets all the glory. Look again, verse 26. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. Now I said, Jesus did not deliver them from the fire. Nebuchadnezzar did. Right? Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fire, and then also Nebuchadnezzar said, come out of the fire. But notice that he says, he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Before they even got out of the fire, Nebuchadnezzar already recognized the God that they worshipped. He already saw it. Before he even, he said, servants of the Most High God, okay, come out. He recognized it. And then again in verse 28, he said, uh, uh, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. They have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. They should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Listen, because they stand, all of a sudden these guys have a bigger platform to share about the hope 
they have in their God. Because they stood, because they stood, they got hate. Because they stood, they got heat. But because they stood, they got help from God. And they were able to bring hope to the people around them. A bigger platform. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar makes kind of a similar decree that he made about the golden image. We'll talk about that in just a second. But he's still a little confused. But, but the reality is, is he made this decree that the, their God was worthy of their worship. They now have a platform. They, I'm sure they walked into work the next day because remember they're advisors for the king. They literally work in the palace. They walk into work the next day. They got promoted. We read that a second ago. They like have more pay. They have a better position. And they're like, didn't you get thrown into a fire yesterday? Yep. Uh, that was kind of a weird day. The boss wasn't super stoked on us. Um, but hey, it's all good now. And they're like, how? didn't he turn it up like seven times hotter? How did that even happen? Like, well, it's crazy. We're just in there, standing in the fire, hoping not to die. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And we just walked out of the thing. Our ropes that were on us burned off, but our clothes didn't even smell like fire. Could you believe it? <laughs> they literally, they walk out, and they're able to, because they made this stand for God. Yeah, yes, it created hate. Yes, it created heat. But you will have help and an opportunity to bring hope. You have no idea the impact it might have if you make a stand for God. You have no idea. Now, one warning as we close. This is it. I'm done. Notice again in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke. He said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he says again, uh, He says in verse 29, Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice that Nebuchadnezzar, after all of this, still is unwilling to make their God his God. Nebuchadnezzar still, in this moment, after having his dreams interpreted, after watching these guys literally walking and singing in a fire, not get burned, come out unharmed, he is still unwilling to recognize their God as his God. They're bringing hope. They're bringing the truth. They're bringing the reality of who God is. But Nebuchadnezzar is still unwilling to surrender to God. Listen, this is so key. If you want to make a stand that makes a difference, you need to first surrender. Because private surrender, something that happens in your heart, something that you make a decision that I'm going to make their God my God. I'm going to make the God of the Bible. I'm going to make Jesus Christ my God. Private surrender leads to public stands of faith. And until you make the decision to surrender privately in your heart that I am going to follow Jesus, I'm going to make Jesus Christ my God. I want to worship him. I want to know him. I want to be in relationship with him. Until you make that private surrender to God, you will never be able to make that public stand. You will bow every time until you make that private surrender. 
until you decide, do you know what, God? I want to know you. I want to follow after you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Not just something I talk around. Not just something I'm near. Not just something my friends are into. Not just something my parents are into. Not just because I like the worship songs or because I like the cool atmosphere or whatever it is. I am making a decision privately that I'm going to worship Jesus. And until you make that decision, you will bow. But once you make that decision, you'll have the confidence, the faith to stand. Private surrender leads to public stand. 